1975, there were 75 convicts in a Mexican prison. And they had decided they had had enough. It was time to get out. So they sat down and they made their plans amidst their little breaks that they had throughout the day. And they had their schedule. They knew what they were doing. And in late winter of 1975, they began digging. They were going to dig their way out of the prison. Not real admirable, but that's what they were doing. Okay. They're looking to dig their way out of prison. They dug for the next six months. They found ways to be able to hide the dirt and the rocks. They found ways to be able to explain the dirtiness of the convicts. They dug their way out. And it was late spring. And they were just about ready to break the ground above them. Open up that tunnel and escape. Everybody gets in the tunnel that night. And they all line up for the early morning escape. And as they just about get ready, they talk back and forth. They make sure they're all ready up and down the line. The front guy breaks the ground wide open, climbs up and out, and they just start pouring out of the hole. And the judge that was in the courtroom, which is where they broke into, was appalled as convict after convict began to pour out of the prison that was next door. And they're pouring into the, and he's just looking, and he finally calls the guards over. The guards are stunned. Everybody finally wraps up the 75 guys who got an extended stay at a Mexican prison. How often do we start out doing something and our planning isn't maybe the best? We didn't start out figuring out how we needed to start out and we end up not where we wanted to be. You know, we're talking about eyewitness. Watch God work. We're talking about being able to go out and share the truth of who Jesus Christ is. But I'm telling you, if we don't start out with a good plan, if we don't start out with understanding what God is doing, if we don't start out saying, where do I need to head with this, God? What do you want me doing? It's not going to end up pretty. So what we're looking at today is eyewitness. Where to start? How do I go about it? I mean, we just went through four chapters of Jonah. We saw him go after it. Not in the best way to start. He ended okay getting the word out, and then his attitude was a mess. Let's not end up like Jonah. Let's go after this exactly as God wants us to. So today we're going to be answering the question, where do I start? We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. You know, we've got the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. We are going to be walking through these verses just kind of verse by verse, phrase by phrase. So if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you, okay? Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. I'm just going to start by reading here. Colossians 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best of, of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. The Apostle Paul here, he's writing to a church that's working. Things are going well. And he's saying, look, here's what I want you to do in order to continue to make an impact in your community. First, 
First point he had, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Where do we start with making an impact in the community? Understand this. It's about God doing the work. Please don't hear me wrong, okay? We can walk out today and say, man, we've got a lot to do. It's all up to us. And the mistake in that is it becomes all human endeavor. It is about God preparing the hearts. It's about God growing the soul towards him. It's about 120,000 people in Nineveh with Jonah, all being prepared so that all Jonah has to do is give the message, you better be careful, 40 days, and it's all done. And they go, we better change. That's God at work in the heart before Jonah ever got there. So be prayerful. Let's go after God being a part of whatever, wherever, and helping us be aware of it. Take a look what he says right off the bat in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Notice he says, continue. In other words, they already have been, right? First challenge for us is we need to get into being prayerful about those around us who don't know Christ. Lord, may you show them you richly. May the circumstances you bring up make it clear the need for salvation, for knowing you. And notice it then says, continue steadfastly. In other words, make sure you are immovable in it. Your feet are fixed in it. You are solid in this. You are so serious on it, nothing's taking you off off pace. That's where you're headed. You are a prayer warrior. You're going after caring for other people. You know, we're going to get to it in the third point, but I'm telling you, this is all about relationship with God. This is all about knowing that he's passionate about his people, that he's passionate about you, and that you have a chance to reach into the very life and heart of the one next to you by coming alongside of God. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Notice he then says about prayer, be watchful. In other words, you know, we say pray with your eyes closed. Okay, what he's really saying is pray with your eyes open. That's kind of what he's saying. Now, don't get me wrong. When we sit down to dinner, it's okay to close your eyes. What he's saying is be aware of what's happening around you. Don't just pray some abstract prayers. Don't just pray some generalities. Say, God, how are you working? Who, who are you working with? Where is your hand touching? What do you want done next? It looks like you're moving over here. I see circumstances getting tough for this person. I know you speak through circumstances. What's going on? How can I be praying for that person? A little five-seconder. I got a call last night from a friend. He uh, just got laid off uh, a couple months back up up north, and uh, we started talking through things. And he said, you know, there is nothing like losing your job to figure out that for the last 20-plus years, I've thought my value was in what I did. And now I'm finding out it's not. I'm getting a lot more serious about going to church now, Tim. That's a big deal. We've got somebody whose heart's being warmed and he's thinking more about and he's moving more towards. That's how God works, doesn't he? In the midst of circumstance. So watch, where is God at work? How can you be praying more towards those ends? Keep your eyes wide open to his hand at work in this world. And then it says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You know, all too often... What we can start doing as we start praying is we really just start bemoaning all the things that are wrong. Lord, could you please fix this? Lord, could you please fix him? Lord, could you please tell her what she needs to know? Lord, would you please, would you please, can you please change? And all of a sudden, we're just, we're bumming. 
right? The whole world's a mess. Pray with thanksgiving. Why? Because God is at work. Pray with thanksgiving. Why? Because God is moving. You know, every Tuesday morning when we sit down to do our staff meeting, the first thing we do is pray, and the second thing we do is evidences of God at work, guys. Where have we seen God work in this last week? Why? Because all too often when you talk about ministry and staff meetings and what we're going to do, you start talking about what's broken, and it's, I'm telling you, it can just bum you out fast. Where is God moving? What is he accomplishing? What is going on in this body and around this place that is honoring to him? Evidences of God at work. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. It is amazing how you've been touching. We are so appreciative of what you're doing in this one's life or in that one's life or how you moved in this event last week. Keep your eyes peeled. Be thankful. Really recognize all that God's doing. Not just where God needs to go to work, but where God already has gone to work. Be thankful. You know, he says a little bit more. At the same time, pray for us. There's a few things I need you to pray for. I need you to pray for open doors that the word might be shared. Open doors. Paul's saying, you should be praying, Lord, please help me understand who I can talk with, where I can talk with them, and what needs to be said. Give me the clarity of open door. What do you want said and when? Help me not to be the bull in a china shop that just kicks the door down and starts telling them the way it is and it turns out that wasn't an open door at all. I pushed my way in and I just started saying what I wanted to say and actually it's turning out to be in a very offensive moment right now, right? We're going to talk about this in the fourth point. We're not here to be jerks. But we are here to be very passionate, sharing, truth bearers of who he is. Watch where God's working. Ask for the open doors. Lord, who? Where? What? Do you want shared? He says not only just the open door, but it's the privilege of declaring the mystery of Jesus Christ. As we get to know him more personally, we get to share him more readily. Do you hear me with that? As you get to know him more personally, you get to share him more readily. I'm telling you, when we know him little, there doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of opportunities to talk about him. I don't know. I just never really see the... And then all of a sudden, the more we get to know him and the more we get to know about him and the more we get to see his hand in our life and the more we get to see who he is, it's like it's everywhere. There's somebody everywhere to talk to. What's going on? What's going on is we're getting eyes of him. What's going on is we're getting a passion for him. We get the chance to share his heart in this world. Pray for those open doors. Lord, who do you want to be shared with? And then be clear. That's the last thing he says, that I may make it clear. Isn't that a nice prayer? This is the Apostle Paul. Pray that I might make it clear. This is the guy who wrote all these letters that we're using as our Bible. Pray that I might make it clear. It's not wrong to say, Lord, please help me make it clear. Whenever I'm talking to somebody, please give me the words. Whenever I'm wrestling with what needs to happen, please help me to see what you want said. Help me to make it clear, Lord. I'm a little bit overwhelmed with this whole thought. Can you please give me some guidance? Help me make it clear. It's a great prayer. So what's he saying? Keep your eyes open. Be thankful. Pray for open doors. And in the midst of it, be ready to make it clear. Lord, help me make it clear. What's a great way to start? Be prayerful. 
Remember the first week of Jonah, what we did is we had everybody write down a couple of names of who they were thinking about that they might be able to share the truth of who Jesus is with. Just write those names down and bring them forward and drop them off. You know, we had close to a thousand names and we've been praying over those as prayer staff. We pray on Sunday mornings. Uh, During the week, we've got them being prayed for. Those names are being prayed for. Hopefully you've been praying for your couple of names as we've been going along. Pray, pray for opportunities, pray for wisdom. Pray for clarity when the opportunity comes. It's that simple. It's a great moment to just say, God, you're in charge. I'm laying it at your feet. Direct me where you want me to go. But I'm willing to step out. What do you want done? Just pray. I'm telling you, it'll be very clear. As clear as sitting on the phone and somebody says, I don't know, it's like church is becoming more important. Clarity? It just like jumps at you, right? These moments, they come. Second, He says, be wise, be wise. You know, we take a look at uh, verse five here. It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom. Okay, remember the word walk. It's this term that basically means this, right? Walk. Okay, not rocket science. You're like, that's it? You went to seminary for that? That's, yeah, that's the word walk. That's what it means, okay? But in that culture, in that context, it's the only way they could move. It's how they typically move from one place to another. So it was relational. It was intentional. It's implying in your day-to-day, in your life, as you go about your living, walking. Walk in wisdom. Wisdom. Knowledge applied. Okay? The knowledge of who he is applied. The knowledge of how this world works applied. The knowledge of what Scripture says, applied. Walk in wisdom. It doesn't mean be a smart aleck. It doesn't mean that. It means what do you know is true? What do you know from the Word? And how can you bring that to bear in your everyday living? Make sure that your lips, make sure that your hands, make sure that your feet model what you know. That's what he's saying. Okay? Walk in wisdom. Now he goes a little bit further. Towards outsiders. Do you hear that? Towards outsiders. Now, this phrase, this word here in the, in the original language, what he's really saying is towards those who aren't a part of the called out ones. Those who aren't a part of the church right now. They're not yet saying, I trust in Jesus Christ. I believe in who he is. Let's just make sure that what we do in our everyday life reaches out. Do you hear that? There's a definitive plan about reaching out. Wisdom in doing that. Watch your walk, watch your step, watch your way. Make sure that your lips and your actions speak to it. He actually goes into detail. He says, making the best use of the time. In the original language, he's actually saying, buy it all up. That's what he's saying there. Buy up every single opportunity. Don't leave any left. It's like the big blue light special thing going, and you're supposed to run down that aisle and find the special objects, pick them all up and buy them up so there's nothing left. That's what he's basically saying. It's this big metaphorical picture of do not leave anything on the table. Make sure you see the opportunities and seize them. That's what he's saying to do, okay? Make the best use of the time. Make the best use of a moment where somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm really wrestling with something. And you give a great listening ear. Or they're deeply hurting. And you get a time where you get to sit and listen to them. And hurt with them. 
invest into them, and then get a chance to share some hope that you have in another area with Jesus Christ. Take some time. It might even mean cooking some chicken together. It might really mean that. It might mean taking the best opportunity to build some relationships, okay? Make the best use of time. Notice he says in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Gracious, giving that which isn't even deserved. Building up, encouraging, supportive, not tearing down, not ripping them, but helping them to see that you care. Gracious and seasoned with salt. This phrase actually usually typically was used to mean uh, witty, insightful. Help them to see that you know something that they might need to know. Now, it doesn't mean be a know-it-all. That's not what it means. It's quite the opposite. What it actually means is as you're talking to them, share from you and from what you know in a way that helps preserve life and grow them in their insights of the world. Do you realize that if you know what this scripture says, you know more about what's going on in this world than they do? And they don't get it. And they're trying as much as they can through philosophy and through whatever worldview they're going after. But you're talking to the creator of it. Do you see it? You're talking to the one who knows inside and out exactly how it should be. And he's sharing with you the insights of his heart and his passion and his word. The word is going to be very insightful into human problems, into, into various struggles that you might be in, circumstances. And you will have an inordinate amount of the salt by just being able to share the truth of his word. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't a, you know, all I ever do is uh, somebody says something and I try to quote a verse at them. You know, when somebody says hello, say hello. Don't quote a verse. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's not get overboard here. It's about being real. It's about being someone who's a human being that has a life and interacts with other people, but you're also interacting with the Almighty. Amen? That's what it's about. Let's not be bizarro world, okay? Let's be normal, happy, healthy people who understand the word and it changes our lives. Amen? Please say amen to that, right? Amen, right? We're going after being normal, but knowing our Savior. We're going after being healthy in the word, but knowing the one who wrote the word. That is walking wisely. And man, does it send a message. You know, the, uh, yeah, this is, this is a sad example, but I'll, I'll give you the negative example, okay? I'm in college, and uh, I, was, I went to Wheaton College first, got done with all my um, basic pre-stuff, and then went to the engineering school. I went down to the U of I Champaign for engineering. So all I had was five engineering classes a semester. It was a nightmare. So I'm doing the 70, 80 hours of homework a week, and I was a good complainer, man. I whined with the best of them. And, uh, you know, I can't believe he gave us that much work on a weekend. What's he thinking about? Or why didn't he make that one open book with the ridiculous amount of... It wasn't a good moment, okay? And I spent a good year and a half in that kind of a pathetic mode. Now, there was a guy who I did a lot of studying with. And uh, towards the end, I thought, you know, I really should be sharing my faith with this guy. So one time, I did actually share my faith with him. And where I was at and who I thought Jesus Christ was and the need to know him and without him... We, we don't have any hope of eternal life with our God. And he said, yeah, but you can't just say it. You got to live it. The world gets this plan, okay? 
So I'm just telling you, that was a slam in the face for me to go, it's time for this complaining to stop. It's time for the actions to start matching it. It's time for me to start walking what I'm believing and stop living in the me world of complaining about the 80 hours a week of homework. By the way, it was really nice when the homework stopped and I actually had a job that was only 45 hours a week. You got to be kidding me. What was that? Like, you prepared me for 45 hours a week by giving me 80? Okay, whatever. So there's my complaining mode, right? That's kind of where I was at. And I, I mean, honestly, the message he heard was, it doesn't really impact your life. Is what you believe impacting your life? Is it changing the way you think? Is it changing the way you respond? Is it changing what you say? Is it changing what you do? If not, time to start walking wisely. Follow what you know. Follow him who you know. May your words and your deeds say, there's just something going on there. I don't know what it is. I'd like to know what he's got or what she's got. Do you hear it? Walk wisely. So when we start saying, I witness, let's start by being prayerful. Let's talk with our mighty king who is in charge of this universe and see what his thoughts are, you know? And then let's start reflecting in our very lives what we believe and what we think and what we're going after by our feet and our hands and our lips reflecting the very nature of who we know. As we touch base with him, may it change who we are. Amen? May we be walking after him and look like him and feel like him and think like him because he is such a part of who we are. May we know our king and may he change us. And in the midst of being changed, walk wisely. It's going to make an impact. The world gets that plan. What you believe will change how you act. They get it. You know, the one thing we say around here is a faith that saves is a faith that changes. If you're not experiencing a change in life, where are you with your faith? A faith that saves is a faith that changes. We will become more like him more and more over time. Let's walk that walk. Let's know our Savior, know him richly and deeply, and let it affect where we go with our feet and our hands and our lips. So be prayerful. Be wise. Be relational. Colossians 4, 5, right in the middle there, it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Do you know there are entire church segments, there are huge amounts of believers that literally say these words, it is best for us to just huddle up as those who know him and don't go outside. Don't ever talk to somebody who doesn't know him. I don't know how you grow the, those who know him if you don't, but that's the plan. Don't go outside. That's not what God calls us to. Look at who Jesus Christ spent his time with. Tax collectors and sinners were the names that they gave. It is about spending time in this world with those of this world, but it is about you affecting them. You know, I was talking to my little girl this week, and she said, Dad, it's easier to start acting bad than it is to try to help my friends start acting good. Why is that? That's big insight. I mean, I, just, I looked at her and I go, wow, that is a good call. So what do you think we do about it? I don't know. That's why I'm talking to you, right? When we go outside to interact with those who don't know our Lord and Savior, be aware, we're there on a mission. We're not there to become looking like their thoughts, their worldview, what they decide is valuable. 
It's what God thinks and what he's going about. And we're going out to touch him with the salt and the light of who he is, okay? But it is about being relational. So I would say this very first. Let's use Jonah as an example. Be relational. Jonah chapters 1 and 2. Get with God and get fired up. That's probably the very first thing you need to do if you're going to be relational, okay? Spend the time with God getting fired up on who he is. Learn about who he is. Look at Jonah. He ends up running from God. He ends up finally finding him when he's in the middle of the whale after three days. Now he's finally come to the conclusion, I better start looking at God. And in the midst of that, he comes to a celebratory prayer that ends with, salvation is from the Lord. Salvation is from my Lord. Salvation. That's what my God's about. And he gets all pumped up and he's about ready to go share. You know what I'm saying? As we spend time with God, we get fired up. As we spend time learning from him, hearing from him in his word, praying, that's where we get fired up. It's, you know, if you're not doing it, I'm just telling you, you hear those words, you go, oh, I keep hearing that. It doesn't do anything for me. I'm just telling you this. We need to simplify it then. There's something you're doing that's become rote. You're checking a box. And we got to get off the box checking. It's time to start sitting down and going, you are the almighty. You have spoken this world into existence and you are right here with me. And you have written a word that teaches me. May I learn from you today, Lord. Just overwhelm me with who you are as you open a passage and don't stop until you found that thing where you go, that's it. Wow. That's what I need to be working on. Or that's what I need to know about God. Or that's what I need to know about the situation. He is alive. And he's real. And he's interactive. And he wants you to catch his heart and his vision. He wants you to be transformed by him with all you've got. I'm telling you, if it's not happening, it's because we're going, I want to hear from you, God. Blah, 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 blah. I want to hear from you. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? We got our ears covered, we're talking loud, we're blabbing right over the top, and we're missing everything instead of just stopping and going, what are you trying to say to me, God? What are you trying to say? Because he's speaking, but it is in the still small voice. It's time to quiet it down, get with him, and get fired up, okay? That's our first piece of be relational. You better be relating to God Almighty because this isn't some little magic trick. It's about knowing him and then sharing him with others. You know, if you look at Jonah 1 and 2, he was going and getting fired up. Then he went to who God sent him to, and then he had the right attitude. I mean, let's just take Jonah and do it, okay? Let's get the right attitude. Let's go where God sends us, and let's go after knowing him richly. That's what it's about, to be relational. I just wrote a few things down here. Uh, I want to say this. Be relational. So a lot of people go, friendship evangelism. Oh, so he's saying you always have to know somebody. Good, so I'll just wait 10 years. I'm going to keep talking to him. We're going through 92 chicken dinners, then I'll share Christ. You know, that's my plan. We're at, we're at 87, so I still got four more. You know, we're, that, that plan is not what I'm talking about, okay? Friendship evangelism is this. You know what? I realize that as I build relationship, there is trust being built. And as trust is built, there's times where they may actually say, what do you think? That's what you're going after. A moment where they might go, I don't get what you're doing. What do you think about this? And we get to go, that's a great question. Can I share with you? Or we might even need to say, I'm not even sure. Can I take a little bit of time and come back to you on that? That's an okay answer, okay? But that's part of what it's about. Don't get me wrong, though. You very well might have a moment where you have met somebody and 30 seconds in, you have the opportunity to share. 30 seconds in, they are saying a word to you that is just wide open door. Take it. Make the best use of every time, okay? It's okay if somebody says, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't even know if there's a God. What do you think? I'm sorry, I haven't had a chicken dinner with you yet. <laughs> right? Like, that's crazy, right? Of course, we take the opportunity to share. But there are times where we can build relationship as we go. Does that make sense? So we're going after building that. It's not necessarily about it, but it does certainly help. Uh, if you've noticed, I'm really big on chicken dinners. Okay? I'll just tell you this. Why? Uh, two years ago, my wife and I decided, you know what? We have been in this community. We were up north. We had been in that subdivision for 15 years, and we felt like we just had not gotten to know people. But boy, did we know the people in our church, you know? And we were on staff up there at Harvest Naperville. So we decided it's time to go reach out. So we purposely signed our kids up for a swim team, knowing that that would put us at a pool five hours every other day for 10 weeks. <laughs> we better meet somebody, right? And you know what? We did. We met a lot of people. We got to know a lot of people. We got to chat with a lot of people. We had a great time building relationships in the midst of that. At the end of the summer, we took the key friends of the girls and invited their families over to our house. And everybody came over potluck style, and we cooked some stuff. And, of course, we cooked chicken, chicken dinner, right? So we did the grilled chicken piece, and they brought over, as one guy brought shrimp that was unbelievable and some little, you know, stuff wrapped in bacon, and it's grilled. I mean, it was just awesome. We had this great meal as we ate together, and we talked together, and we joked together. And at some point, it went around the horn, so what do you do for a living? Well, that was an easy in for me, because it gets to me, and what do you do for a living? Well, I'm on staff up at Harvest Bible Chapel in Naperville. On staff? What does that mean? Well, I'm a pastor up there. You're a pastor? You could just see this moment where they had not, you know, a couple of the guys we had talked three times over the summer, and now he's hearing where I'm at. And as we began to talk it out, I said, you know, actually, we're a church plant, which means we just started in the last few years. We're going to be opening up this new building. I pulled over a, a, a special invite card we had made up and handed him a postcard and said, hey, we'd love to have you guys join us for one of the grand openings. It'd be great to have you. You know, of those families that were invited, and we had four that were invited to the house, only three came to the house, and only one came to the grand opening. But that one that came to the grand opening, on the first Sunday, the challenge came from the senior. Hey, why don't you just stick with us for this series? They did. And then they stuck with the next and the next. Came to February, and he said, hey, we're going to do baptisms. If you haven't been baptized, if you haven't said, I trust in Jesus Christ, and I want to demonstrate that publicly, then this is your opportunity. And he came to me the day of the baptisms and said, I want to be baptized. And I said, man, that's awesome. Can we talk through a few things? And we went in the hallway and I just walked through the gospel message with him. And he basically said, yeah, I haven't done that. I said, would you be interested in that? He said, yeah. So I walked through a prayer with him and he basically committed his life to Christ right there in the hallway at Harvest Naperville. And he was about six foot four and about, you know, what, I don't know. Yeah, 300 pounds, I don't know. So basically I'm supposed to be baptizing him at the 11 o'clock service, you know? So it was one of those, it was a good moment as I, as he and I are joking about it and I get to baptize him. And at the end of it, we get a chance to talk. I'm just telling you, you never know what's going to come from a chicken dinner. Do you know what I'm saying? Just reach out, just be honest and chat and share and be open. And who knows where the Lord's working. And you know what? There were three families where not so much right now, but there was one family where yes, God was at work. And you just keep moving and talking and sharing and seeing what God's doing. Be relational and see what God's got in store. Who is it you could be inviting over? Who is it you could be working with? Keep that question in mind because we're going to get to it at the end. What can you be doing to just build some friendship, some relationship, and see where it goes? Be relational. And then the last piece is be bold. 
Be bold. You know what? I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We've actually got some uh, bookmarks that we're going to hand out, and I'm going to ask them to hand that out while I'm talking here, okay? So kind of try to concentrate while the bookmarks are being passed out. But um, the bookmarks summarize what we've been talking about here, and it's got some more detail on it. Be bold. If you look right here at the end of verse 6, it says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Ought to. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is at work in this world and he's at work in you and he's helping you to understand how you might be able to share? I actually wrote down a phrase, bold, empowered by the Spirit to share God's truth in God's time, in God's way, when God desires. Bold, to share God's truth in God's way, when God so desires. We have a great opportunity to know our Savior. And we have a great opportunity to share him. You know, we talk about sharing boldly. And uh, if you do me a favor, let's just look at this bookmark for a second, okay? On the front, where to start. If you notice what it says as you go down, be prayerful, be wise, be relational, be bold, okay? That's the stuff we just talked about, Colossians 4. Nice little reminder set of how do I go after sharing my faith, okay? Flip it over. What does be bold mean? Okay, this is not what be bold means. Be bold does not mean go and get in the face of someone and explain to them how morally you think they're failing, okay? There was a guy at the U of I called Mad Max. For those of you who were there in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And this guy, right? You know what I'm talking about, Tim? This guy, all he did is walk around and tell everybody where they were morally failing. He never once that I ever heard actually shared the hope of Jesus Christ, but he definitely shared the destitute moral nature of the human being, especially of the 18-year-old kid who was in sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is not Christianity. He missed it. And there were a couple of times where I saw a couple of people address it with him and try to get him on task. Wasn't going to have it because he wanted to preach morality. That's not what we're doing. We're sharing a Holy Spirit and we're sharing Jesus Christ, who is all about relationship. This isn't about try to get yourself clean. This is about come to know the Almighty who has provided for us a way to be clean through what he has done on the cross. Amen? This is about a relationship that nothing can happen equivalent to except by knowing him. Be bold. Let's look at the back of it and see what it says. Uh, you might write up at the top, it doesn't mean be a jerk, okay? That's just so you know. It does, bold doesn't mean be a jerk. Bold means, if you actually look at it, uh, in the original language, it had like four different meanings to it. Be confident or vulnerable or direct or clear. Confident, vulnerable, direct, clear. Those are kind of the nuances depending on how that word was used, okay? So when we start saying Ephesians 6.18, where Paul is being challenged, he's saying, pray that you may speak boldly of who Jesus Christ is. Confident, vulnerable, direct, and clear. That's what we need to be. Okay? Confident. Know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and know that God is working to ripen hearts. Just know this. God's at work. And just know this. There is one thing that can change the life. Knowing him. That's what we need to know. If we're confident that we've got the truth, it all of a sudden changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, if we're walking up and we're going, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is really it, but I'll at least give you a little thought that I've got. Like, it takes everything away. In the moment, do we know that God is the answer? Do we know that God is the answer? Do we know that God is the answer? Do we know that Jesus Christ and his shed blood is the answer? Be confident in that. 
It is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16. It is life-changing, life-transforming, and there is no hope in any other way. We know what we're talking about. Be confident. Be vulnerable. You know, all too often what we try to make it is a big preach session because then we don't have to be vulnerable, you know? I could share a little bit of fact about how you need to change and what you need to do and what you need to know, and then I can walk away. But vulnerability, sharing passion, hope, joy, it makes it real for them to understand. Oh, this is affecting the very core of who you are. You know, when we talk about sharing with vulnerability, have a testimony, uh, that's a big Christianese word. Have a story of how God's working in your life, okay? And it starts like this. There's three points, and I even wrote them down there for you, okay? It's, what was life like before Christ? How did I come to know Christ? What is life like now? Not very complex, right? Before, how did I meet him, and now. Just a little bit of a storyline. Please, this isn't a 42-minute story, okay? This is just a couple of minutes of God working in you. I'm telling you, this is a life changer. So we walk up to somebody and we don't say, you need Jesus, right? This big jerkish approach of, instead it's, you know what? Could I share with you, Jesus Christ has just blown me away, there is such a change in my life because of knowing him. Could I just share a little bit with you of how that happened? That's bold. You see, we think of bold, if you look in the English, bold means also impudent, offensive. Those are words that actually could be used for it. So we got to be careful. Bold really means willing to be vulnerable. Confident you've got something worth sharing. Okay? Confident, vulnerable. Direct. You're watching for who God's working with. Remember we talked about the red apple and the green apple? We're talking about being able to, you know, the green apple you're pulling on and it's just not coming off of that branch, right? It is just stuck tight and that whole branch is moving up and down. But with the red apple, you barely touch it and the thing drops, right? We're talking about who's God working with? Where is he touching? Who's ready to respond? And Lord, just help me to be talking. Not, it's not that you don't talk to somebody who's a green apple, right? It's not that you don't talk to somebody who's wrestling, but you're just helping them to come along in their understanding, just a little bit of understanding insight, a little bit of sharing, and just being there for them. And a lot of times, a listening ear, I'm telling you, it goes a long way. Just be willing to listen. You know, seek a role in how you might ripen. And then I put this, do not argue. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do not argue, okay? You can get into an apologetics fight in about four seconds flat. You can try to justify what you believe and why you believe it and start getting into this. You're never arguing someone into the kingdom. It's not going to happen, Okay? Do we understand that? It's just not going to happen. So what is going to happen is as you spend time sharing your truth of what you know of him and letting that settle in and letting God ripen the heart, we see things come around, okay? It's about God changing a heart. Just share gently, share with passion, and if they're not ready, they're not ready. It's not time to try to argue them in, okay? Does that make sense? Just watch God work, not watch me work, Okay? And be ready to make your hope known. That's First Peter 3.15. Now the last piece, I wanted to make sure we got to this uh, clear, okay? Bold actually does mean clear. So it's not use some big vague metaphors where they go, I have no idea what you're talking about or what I'm supposed to do, okay? That's not what it's about. I'm going to go through this one step and then we're going to go back, Mike, and we'll go through with the visual, okay? So first, the clear. You see it there. The our situation, our problem, his solution, his promise. You see those four points? That's how easy it is. 
It's just sharing these four things with them, okay? So our situation, no one's perfect. If you actually go to Romans 3.10, it says, there's no one righteous, not one. That's what it says. Okay, the best way to walk through these verses that I've, that I've found is you have your Bible, you turn it so they can read it, not you. You sit across from them, and you end up having them read it, and you have them say what they think it means afterwards. So just read it, say what you think it means, okay? And then you get an answer from them, and, you know, basically you just want to try to head them towards the right answer a little bit, but you want them finding it. At the top of your Bible facing you, write what the next verse you're going to is and what the point of it is, okay? Like Romans 6.23, cost. You know what I mean? So you kind of know where you're headed. You got a little bit of a roadmap right in your Bible, and you can just walk through the Bible with them. And it's very easy. You write the verses in the front of the Bible, and then along the way, you just write each next step you're going to at the top facing you. You got a little roadmap right here with your Bible, and it works very easily, okay? So let's just walk through this storyline. Our situation. No one is perfect. Romans 3.10. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23. Remember we talked about this before. It says uh, we have all come up short, right? It's that archery term. You're pulling back and you're aiming. You're shooting for the bullseye. You miss the bullseye. You miss the target. You actually miss the whole thing. It comes up short and hits the sand. That's when they would have used this term. You've come up short. It's like our modern day statement when you shoot way short in basketball and we all call it an air ball, right? He's saying y'all shot an air ball. So that's, if you want to write that, Romans, you know, 323, airball, you know, like that's it. And I mean, honestly, make it as obvious and as commonplace today as possible. I don't necessarily use these Christianese words. We've all sinned. What does that mean? We've shot an airball. There was an intent and a plan and we didn't hit it. We missed the bucket. Just be honest and be clear. Okay. Romans 323. Next. So what? So I missed the, missed the target. What's the cost? Our problem. Romans 6.23, the cost is eternal separation from God. No relationship. We serve a holy, righteous God. And he does demand that in and of ourselves, we need to be perfect and holy if we're going to have a relationship with him or perfectly forgiven. And that's it. There is eternal separation without that. And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. That eternal separation. The next step, his solution God's in charge of this world. What did he think? Romans 3.25 and Romans 10, 9 and 10 are great verses that basically say it's about him coming into our life. It's about his shed blood on the cross. It's about our faith and trust in him and confessing him as Lord. And that's what establishes a relationship with him. His solution, it's his provision at the cross. Um, This is probably your biggest sticking point. When you talk with someone, Hey, nobody's perfect. Okay, I can buy that. You know, uh, God may have even intended more than that. Okay, I could probably buy that. If I'm going to buy there's a God, I I can buy he intended more than that. The cost is eternal separation from him. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's where God's going to be working on their hearts. Okay, but it's the truth. So share it, let it be shared, and let them be challenged. Let's see what God's doing. Okay, let's see how God works in their heart. At the end of his solution is his promise. Like, so what do we get out of this? The relationship with him that starts today and lasts forever. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. We have a relationship with him that can change us and rock our world. Any other verses you can come up with there are great. Any other verses you can add onto this framework are phenomenal. But this at least gives you a start to saying, I wouldn't even know what four verses to share. Now you do. 
I wouldn't even know where to start. Now you do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just telling you, the top two reasons that people don't share their faith. Number one, I got a wrong attitude. I'm pretty afraid of what other people are going to think. We dealt with that in Jonah chapter four last week, right? Let's get the right attitude as we go about sharing. And the second pr- the reason that we don't share, I don't even know what to share. Bookmark. Right? We're in a good spot. We're well prepared to be able to go out and just say, there's some basic things that I believe about them. Let me share with you. What if I don't know the answer to some big old question they ask? The answer is you simply say this. You know, I don't know. Let me look into that and see what I can find. Great question. That's what you say. Because that's what's real. It's not, let me fake it and see if I can get away with it. That's not what it's about. Be real with them. I'm wrestling too. I don't know. That's a good question. Let's see if we can find that out together. Sometimes finding that answer out together will rock their world. And if they're really not interested and it was an argument, they don't want to spend the time with you looking at it anyway. It'll be pretty obvious pretty fast, you know? So just take the time to walk through this stuff, okay? Now, these are a lot of verbal words, and uh, you might be showing people or walking through this, and they might go, okay, I can see the words. But there's a lot of visual learners, okay? A lot of people really like to learn by seeing something happen visually. So let's walk through this. Here's another way to do it, okay? You can do these drawings Larry and I talked about this. I wanted to make sure these were as simple as possible. So it's like, I can do this on a napkin sitting at a table with a pen, you know? It's two lines. It looks like two hills, right? You see the man and God on each side, right? Okay, Micah, hit it. So the first verse, right? This is back to this first verse that we saw here, Romans 3.10. You can have your little bookmark cheat. You start there, right? It's man is not perfect. There is no one righteous. Okay, Micah, what's the cost? separation. Romans 6.23, that's what sits in the gap between us and God. Okay. What's God's solution? Throw the cross over the top. Romans 3.25. There's a bridge from man to God now, right? So a lot of people have called this the bridge illustration. There's a variety of different verses that are used, but I've just wanted to keep the same ones, whether you're doing it verbally or visually for the ease. Okay, Micah. And the last one is the peace statement. This is very easy. You might want to draw this, just write that picture down on your piece of paper, okay? It's that simple. It's like five lines. One, two, three, four, five, six lines. That's it. Six lines and a couple of verses off your bookmark, and you can explain visually what God's doing and what his plan is, okay? I'm telling you this. This is the logical. This is the factual. You still need the personal, the vulnerable. What's he doing for you? What impact is he making in your life? Let me just tell you how phenomenal it is to know him. This gives you a chance to at least go, I've got a bookmark I'm leaning on, but I got to go after knowing him personally. Okay? Here's my question. You've got your bookmarks. We've done five weeks of stuff on eyewitness. At the end of your, on the bottom of your paper, there's a challenge. What are the names I'm going after? Who are they? God, who are you working in? Who would you like me to be sharing with? And what are the first couple of steps I need to be going after? I'm probably going to be surprised if one of them isn't a chicken dinner, okay? Like, I'm just telling you, reaching out somehow, find something, some way to build a relationship and just see what God's got going on, all right? But let's, who is it? We're just going to take a little bit of time now. I'm going to close in prayer here, and I want you to just take a few minutes to be reflecting on this and figuring out where you're headed, all right? Let me pray here.